You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. It's time for another special round of Dadman. And it's special because not only do we have yours truly, Mike Jolly here, and the homeboy, Michael Rowland, <laughs> but a very special, lovely guest that everyone knows, everyone loves, Joseph Rowland. Everyone would give it up for Joseph Rowland. Hey, everybody. It's so uh, good How to be goes back. it, man? <laughs> uh, it's going great. It's always a fun time to sit down with the dad men. Thank you. For the dad men Doncast. Yeah, man, the new name, Dead Man Doncast. No, man, we had to had had. Well, excuse me, we had to have you on because this episode was actually specially requested by Joe to make an appearance, and um, you know, I th- I thought it was, I thought it'd be fitting to just kind of have you on and kind of discuss a little bit about why this episode, and obviously we'll get into the carousel and kind of go over, you know, our feelings about this, um, about this episode, but, um, let the people know, um, what makes you, what makes you eager for a six month leave? Yeah. So, uh, recently I've been kind of slow rolling a, a series rewatch for Mad Men and, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since I'd, I'd seen the whole show and mm-hmm. I, I, in, in watching this episode, uh, I really noticed a lot of things about it that uh, I found really interesting and significant in the context of the entire series. Hmm, uh, it okay. was one that uh, – not to, to jump onto the carousel too early, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not to grab one of the horses uh, before the attendants <laughs> have, have opened the gate. Yes, um, yes. This, this, this is a, an episode that does have like some big iconic moments, but I think there's also a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface. And that was something I really wanted to uh, jump on and, and try to unearth with you guys. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that's what, you know, that's where we're here to do. And I think it's important to not only cover, you know, big peak episodes that happen amongst the season, which usually is a lot of times the season opener or the season ender, but yeah. to try to hit some of these episodes that are very, very significant to the show as a whole. And, you know, I think, uh, I think you selected correctly. I think we're, I think we're on the right track for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've had some messages coming my way from the fans. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them are getting a little nervous because Joe seems to be doing the best episodes of the show. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> in fact, one fan who goes by the alias, Mr. Black, uh, he was saying that it might be Lil Nepotiz. Ooh, okay. I, you know, I actually didn't think ego. about the nepotism. <laughs> Lil Nepotiz. Uh, Jack Black says that in we School of Rock. And, uh, um, when Joe and I were younger, and I got to tell this to Rivka Reyes, who was the bassist in that movie, um, we, we thought Lil Nepotiz meant a rapper. Cause, the line, cause, <laughs> so he's talking to the other teachers in the cafeteria. And he's like, "Oh yeah," and I was this close to being on the Boston Philharmonic, and I nailed the audition, but I didn't get the gig. You know who did? Yo Yo Ma's cousin, Lil Nepotiz. <laughs> and what oh, he's saying is that this was a little nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, Yo-Yo Ma's cousin <laughs> is <laughs> performing under the alter ego Lil Nepotis. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a great hip-hop name. But you're right. As a but kid, he is I, still a cellist. Yeah. He just is a cellist with that name. It, as a kid, it, it just I really <sighs> thought that was a name. And I'm like, what the fuck is Jack Black talking about? It's, or sorry, Dewey Cox in the, right. in the world of the movie. For uh, sure, for sure. Acting in the role as Ned Schneebly. This is Ned Schneebly. <laughs> Oh, that's such a great movie. And guys, there's a trend going on on social media uh, where people are going, take a movie and replace every character except for one actor with Muppets. And mm. I thought oh. maybe today we could uh, we could try our hand at that. Maybe we could do uh, TV shows even. Mm. Um, mm. But I saw one that was trying to do it with School of Rock and I just... I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want them to replace Jack Black with a Muppet, but the problem is he, right. he already is quite Muppet-like in his features. <laughs> so if you didn't replace him, he, it would be like water and water. Like you know, it would just yeah. it would yeah. it would be the same movie pretty much. No contrast. No contrast. <laughs> 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 they, they would they would talk to him and be like, "Oh, you're kind of like a Muppet too," and they'd be like, "Yes, I am. <laughs> Thanks." <laughs> so animated. <laughs> No, I gotta love Jack Black, man. You gotta love him. One of my favorites. One of my very favorites. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Amazing Singer, too. I know we had that talk of, um, you know, Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah. Tenacious D's first album is one of my top 10 favorite albums. It's quite good. Fucking amazing vocals. It's rather good. Um, and, you know, we don't have to do that prompt because I realized as I was saying it, I... I have a Muppet idea. I have a pitch for it. Oh, okay. What is it? I, I, I don't know if this is the perfect answer, but it's what is left to mind is... Uh, it's also my favorite movie of all time, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, hmm. uh, and Charlize Theron is the only human. Okay, that's pretty good because she's the straight that man sounds funny. in that instance yeah. and everyone else is wacky. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I like that. I okay, like that. Okay, Jolly, your turn. <laughs> all right, everyone's Muppets except one person. Oh, um, one of my favorite movies, um, Coming to America. Obviously, oh. everyone's Muppets except for Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I, so, see, here's the problem: is that mm. I I worry that that's the same issue as School of Rock, where the because too many goofs, too many goofs. So, not to tell you how to do it, I, I would watch that movie and I would enjoy Samuel it. Samuel Jackson. There you go. <laughs> no, Samuel Jackson's in there for like five minutes. It's but- true. Okay, yeah. So this random human would come out of nowhere. Okay, that would be <laughs> that, weird. That makes that that burglary, that robbery, even more Funny. terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, true. It's like, who it, the fuck? <laughs> it's a human menacing a bunch of Muppets with a shotgun. You're right. Yeah. That's actually actually I made that as a joke, but you're right. It it does kind of work. Okay, cool. All right, <laughs> my the, pick. Oh, go who's ahead. Who's the heroine in Coming to America? Because that would be good. Um, I forget her name, man. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, I forget her name. It'll come to me. I just call her beautiful. <laughs> yeah, just beautiful. I mean, but think about coming to America with uh, Kermit as um, as Eddie Murphy and uh, uh, Fozzie as Arsenio. <laughs> That's oh a good gosh. tag as the, team. as the duo. You know, as the leads. Yeah, I we gotta of, pitch that. We gotta pitch that. I thought of a good one. <laughs> All right, let's hear. One flew over the cuckoo's nest with <laughs> Jack Nicholson as, <laughs> as the only human. Not oh, Nurse Ratchet. Mu- not Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Is is oh, is Miss Piggy Nurse Ratchet? Yes. Yeah. I didn't okay. I didn't know Good. who it would be, but yes, because Janice couldn't be Nurse Ratchet. Right. Uh, right. Right. And by the way, 
um, the moment where he realizes that everyone else is there voluntarily except for him when it's a <laughs> bunch of Muppets is, yeah. <laughs> wait, you guys are here voluntarily? <laughs> Who's the, what the fuck? You, you know, the big scary, like, ha- like the big Muppet that's covered in hair and Sweetums. Yeah, Sweetums. Sweetums is is the chief at the end. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> this would be so offensive to uh people with mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> Sweetums. Sweetums is great. <laughs> hey guys, you forgot me. Uh Sweetums is always being left behind in the Muppet Adventures. Mm. Or at least You got a great memory of the Muppet names. I usually I usually can only remember obviously like the, the main handful of cast, but Yeah. I I love the Muppets, man. I really do. I, um, I have like books about the history of Sesame Street, and I have a Jim Henson biography that I need to get reading. But I think we've caught up with each other with this prompt. Yeah. No need to ask each other how our week was. <laughs> That's great. Now. No need. <laughs> I think. Great I now. think. Let's <laughs> just made my week. Now that I've thought about, now that I've thought about Kermit uh, spray painting, you know, chrome paint in his face. <laughs> and sp- and sp- Witness me! Ah! Ah! Oh man! It's like little hands waving. Ah! I am awaited. <laughs> oh man, that was fun actually. That was fun. That was a good idea. We have, we forgot to think of the title for our movies. So mine is of course uh, one flew over the Muppets Nest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about the Big Bird's Nest? Big Bird, uh, Big Bird's not a Muppet anymore. Fair enough. He's a, he's a Sesame Street he's owner. Been nice cat, nice try, but uh um, got me removed. It's actually true. Um, Disney owns the Muppies, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> the Children's Television Workshop owns the Sesame Street Muppets. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got us back in here. <laughs> we were tr- we almost left. <laughs> we almost left the Muppets. No, so. <laughs> I I, I want to hear your guys' yeah. titles for the movies, and then we can get to uh, some sort of TV show. That's probably um, just Mad Max Furry Road. Furry Road? Yeah. Or Fuzzy Road. Okay. I like Fuzzy Road. Well, no, Furry's pretty oh, good, but... Shit, Fuzzy could be a Morton Joe. All right. Yeah, think about this. Do that on your own time. I will. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Tim Heidecker. I feel like that's like... It's not really a quote. It's more like me trying to be like Tim Heidecker. Uh, yes, Jala, what's, what's, what's your Coming to America Muppet <sighs> version title? Coming to America. I might need help with this one. Um, I can't think of like something funny. Like, yeah, coming to... Just the Muppets come to America. Yeah, yeah like it would good. be very yeah. boring. Yeah, like come, yeah, the Muppets coming to uh, come to yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into uh, the carousel. Let's jump. Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent, sweetheart. We're here on the carousel, and um, I have a. I guess it's not really a fun fact, but I I actually don't remember this episode at all, mm. except for maybe, except for maybe the fact that um, Sterling's whole uh, breakup at the end. Yeah, but I it's so funny. I don't I don't recall this episode at all, which makes me kind of feel a little weird, but also hopeful just about the show in general because it it now shows me that like I'm like rediscovering new like old gold or something like it, it, it's it's so weird yeah but, but i'm really having a good time like doing it like it, this episode took me by surprise and um yeah it's uh it's it's quite an episode um for sure i mean i actually remember most of it except for that moment 
Um, and except for the fact that like Marilyn Monroe's death was such a big deal to everyone and not just Joan. Yeah. This episode was directed by Michael Uppendahl, uh, written by Andre Jacquemiton and Maria <laughs> Jacquemiton and Matthew Weiner with, you know, the close, the closer. Um, yes, the closer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called, as we've mentioned, Six Month Leave. And uh, Joe, would you like to give us a brief AMC-esque uh, description of what happens in the episode? The office deals with a public passing. Freddie makes a snafu during a client meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, Don and Roger go out for drinks. Peggy receives an unexpected promotion. That's pretty mm. accurate to the description that was on there for Amazon Prime. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the one thing I want to highlight, I love that you said um, Freddie makes a snafu because I imagine yeah. Freddie saying, oh, I seem to have made a snafu. I mean, he says that later. <laughs> he does? He yeah. says, it was a snafu. Oh, oh, he didn't yeah. say I made a snafu, though. Right. Right. But it was. <laughs> but to say he made a snafu in his pants is a fun thing to imagine for me. Um, true, yeah. true. Yeah. So, I, I remember Don punching Jimmy Barrett the most mm. from the whole episode. That play, Actually, wow. I think that plays every day at some point in my mind. <laughs> and I'm being 100% sincere. The, um, the threat. The, the threat of physical violence that has been sort of simmering since Don got up from the desk to approach Pete has been acted upon in terrifying fashion. Yeah, Don was oh, Don was activated in that moment where he finally was able to let out his anger, um, not against not just against Jimmy, but also against Pete at the desk right. um, or in his office, and then also towards Betty in that one moment where she caught him cheating. Uh, yeah. And he tried to loom over her in the same way he did to Pete, but uh, Betty's hands did not move back in fear. That's the no. difference. That's the difference between Pete and Peggy. <laughs> well, I mean, Pete and Betty. Excuse me. Do you think that if hands. Do you think that if uh, Jimmy had raised his hands, it might have? <laughs> yeah, maybe. It, do you think Jimmy could have convinced Don to not punch him in the head? It might have diffused Don's wrath. <laughs> please, please, please! Oh God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just a little guy. It's my birthday. <laughs> You're going to kill me, dude. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. One man. of my favorite Jake and Amir recurring gags is you killed me, dude, where <laughs> so one of them says to the other one, you killed me. Um, and they think they're about to die. And I think that I have imagined Jimmy Barrett saying, you killed me, man. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Uh, I really, I think they added the scene of Jimmy getting up and talking to someone to show that he's going to be okay. Because, like, if we don't have that scene, he could convincingly have have passed from that. Oh, my God. That that was like Star Wars, the special edition. Yeah. Like, the original cut just... Just the original cut is him dying on the floor. Underground casino. We're going to find out that in a future episode, there's a really like buried comment in the mix but someone said did you hear he's still not jimmy's still in the hospital he's in a coma <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's not the wrath of don's punch his yeah. single punch the one one inch punch, punch don yeah one he's punch done one inch punch don. it was not one inch though but uh no, if don huge. had done the one inch punch that would be so great where he yeah. holds his hand up against jimmy barrett's chest for a second <laughs> Jimmy's like oh geez don uh why, why are we getting so intimate here uh, and then Don. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel yeah. Like, but I feel like they would have to break format and like add 
anime style a ripple effect on Don's it, punch. It just becomes Kung Fu Hustle for a moment. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> very goes, Kung Fu yeah. Hustle. <laughs> Jimmy goes flying. <laughs> uh, By the way, was Bruce was Bruce uh, was Bruce Lee um, relevant right now? Sixty one, sixty two. This is a bit before Bruce Lee's. Uh, action star stardom rise. Okay. So this, okay. in my version, it's like a Quentin Tarantino style disrespect to yeah. Bruce Lee and his entire family <laughs> by saying that Don <laughs> Draper invented the one inch punch. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you remember watching this episode? Yeah. Um. This, uh, like, you know, season two, some of Mad Men can run together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Because of the pacing and and the the subtlety of things and the way that plot developments will slow roll, if I had sure. to summarize season two, two bullet points like before rewatching it, two bullet points would be oh yeah, uh, Freddie Robinson pissed his pants, and uh, Don punches Jimmy Barrett. It's such a sho- it's such an incredible punch and yeah. it's such a shocking moment that it really stands out. I like that you guys really recall that punch. It's. Um it's uh i mean it was quite a scene i mean they left quickly after but yeah it's quite a scene nonetheless <laughs> yeah don was having a great night until that moment uh or at least did you see his face change to. oh yeah. it's terrifying yeah it's scary that was as hell. wild um, i was like this guy acts his ass off man crazy well it, when i was first watching the show because in season two that's where i really remember my first watch um mm-hmm. i was blown away that jimmy had shown up there like yeah it's random I thought it was a curtain on Jimmy in the show. And also, did you guys notice that the bag Jane gives Don is Menken's? Yes. Yes, I saw uh, that. Isn't that mu- I that's did so see fucked that. up? Oh, my God. Man, um, a lot of foresh- You know, just a lot of um, callbacks. Yeah. Um, callbacks, foreshadowing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I really, when I first watched that scene, I thought Don would, like, say something to Jimmy. Like, and, and say, you... You ruined my life or mm. some, but in a Don way where it's like, you've got my wife convinced of stuff that's not true, Yeah, you know? Right. And it's not, right. he just, it's just, it's, it's genuinely like a jump scare almost when you first watch it. Cause it's just so powerful and he's, he's yeah. dangerous, and, man. I mean, yeah, to be, <laughs> to be clear, it sucks. <laughs> um, Jimmy Barrett, you know, he's not responsible <laughs> for the mess that Don is. In. Yes, exactly. Don is. <laughs> that's a great point. And it's, like it's it's um it's really it's 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 mean of him it's unfair yeah. it's uh you know or as he said a uh, very archibald whitman of him yeah <laughs> i mean i got more to say about that whole thing that's oh, yeah, yeah. really on one that oh, night a, yeah, we could play whole, by play that whole he's being sloppy with yeah. freddie oh yeah that's a whole thing yeah hmm. but um so you guys remember this episode actually pretty pretty convincingly yeah. um do you Here's a question for you guys. Would you have rather remembered this episode or would you be in would you rather be in my position where it's a whole new it's a whole new thing? Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, wow, this is incredible." Cuz that's kind of the where I was sitting this whole episode is is pretty funny. Uh if I may go first, Joe. Please. Yeah. Okay. Um I would be on the one hand, I'd be excited if I were you because it's like, "Wow, I don't remember this at all. This is so fun." But mm-hmm. my main concern would be, "Will I forget this again?" Uh and good, good catch. This episode is this. Episode, you're like nicely done, sir. That's uh, yes, very nice. A year from now, you're not going to remember it at all. <laughs> Just the whole thing is white. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'll say, Jala, well, this is being recorded now, so I'll true. never forget. You'll never forget. That's right. 
Um, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Oh no. There you go. <laughs> when I yeah, when I do a podcast uh, and I don't think it's gone well, I immediately go to that doctor and say, "Hey, um, <laughs> give me the old sunshine treatment." Ooh, Eternal. But one of my uh, favorites. No, I uh, for some He's reason. Like, oh, okay, you'll always be haunted by the feeling of what's missing. <laughs> Uh, no, I won't. And I'll be drunk. I'll be drunk, so I'll say, no, I won't. Um, but honestly, um, I think this episode, if it's, if an episode of TV can be a formative memory when you watched it in your 20s, um, that's how this episode feels to me where I think the show is never the same after this episode in particular. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone is has, has reached different points in their character arcs that are huge for – where they're going to go. Like, mm-hmm. um, Peggy is, uh, she's promoted to regular copywriter instead of junior copywriter, you know? Um, mm-hmm. at least that's, it's implied in words, you know, like, or without, yeah, right. without saying it out loud. Um, right. Pete has done the sort of duck doing business at a very high level. Uh, that's very underhanded and it, it's risky and, mm-hmm. um, very, It'll, you'll do anything to keep the company running smoothly, even if it's like really well. We can get into that in, in my yeah. segment, but but I think you're exactly right. Like it sees every character at an inflection point. Yeah, right. Except for maybe Joan. Joan's right. at an inflection point. She's still engaged. She's going to be married. She's still looking at a future of like um, going from freewheeling single gal, <laughs> single gal in the office yeah. to. The life that she's always kind of imagined. Sure. Right. But I, I meant just like in this episode in particular, yeah. she doesn't have a change like everyone else does. Where right, right. Don is really starting to think his marriage is pretty much over. Like when he's yeah. talking to Roger at the bar, um, the sense of relief he feels is very interesting. And Don comes very close, closer than he ever has before to admitting he's been unfaithful out loud. You know? Right. Yeah. To someone besides sure. one of his... Uh, um, acquaintances of the night, you know, yeah, or day. Would would you say that if if I were to reach, would you would you say that maybe Joan's inflection point is the death of her physical form in Marilyn Monroe? I have a lot to say about the Marilyn stuff in this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a reach. Like I said, but I, I think Joan's part physical? of it. Like um, Joan is, you know, um, Sterling kind of mentioned it too. He's like back in maiden form. Is that what they talk about? The yeah, maiden form. Yeah, you know. Oh well, really, Marilyn's a Joan. Yeah, right. And Roger right. even and she says, died. Roger says, "You're not like her." Well, except right. in some ways, but you can't be sad about that. Uh, Roger totally whiffing it. Totally yeah, he fucking sucks whiffing that it. scene. He, he's not helping her at all, and he's being immature and dismissive of her feelings, and just he's just annoying in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you mean like? And forgive me. But do you mean like her the physical form, like an analog to Joan, or like yeah, or kind cur- of like curvy, your, wi- curvy women being celebrated? Yeah, and like the 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 top of the top, the image that is reflected back has gone away. It's past. You know, what I mean, she took her took her life, and I don't. Joan think- is obviously taking it very. I mean, they're all taking all the women are taking it hard, but I could feel Joan obviously taking it the most. I think. Uh- I, I do think you're hitting on something that there is a the the changing beauty standard that right. we do see represented as like Jane Siegel is is positioned as the new Joan and she does That's have true. a different mm-hmm. body type and then we'll even see later in later seasons um, who we are pointed to as like the sort of beauty standard. 
But uh, I have a larger sort of meta, my my meta theory about Marilyn Monroe's death in this episode and how it affects the cast. Um, with, With Marilyn, we see one of those things that's like, Oh, these are the days of the monoculture. This is when mm-hmm. everyone r- heard news from three TV stations, however many radio stations and whatever one major newspaper. So mm-hmm. everyone's getting the same news every day. And then it's when when you hear about Marilyn Monroe, the most maybe the most famous woman in the world, her death, it's this intense traumatic event that seems to right. hit the entire female gender. All the women in right. the office, we see them sharing grief and just sort of like processing it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, yeah, it, it the way that it lays out Joan in that way. She's so Literally affected by it. Couch. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's because we get with that with that image, we get, um, you know, Mad Men, the show is all about the image, about the mm-hmm. aspirational image that people try to attain. Marilyn right. is that. She is. Right. Yeah. In, in a way that few other stars were, she was iconic of a standard of, of female beauty and like what a glamorous mm-hmm. lifestyle was like. I mean, Peggy says, it's hard to imagine someone like that being alone. Uh, right. Don is, yeah. you know, Roger, I think he says, you know, hey, she was a movie star. She had everything. And with her suicide, it's it's the transformation of this. I mean, the iconography, the the unattainableness is broken. Mm-hmm. And what we get is instead a symbol of a pain that no one knew was there. Right. And I'd even say that that makes her – it transforms her from the thing that women look up to to a point of like, oh, she's unhappy and and laboring under unhappiness in a way that I can relate to. Her suffering becomes all of our suffering. In that mm-hmm. moment, and that's really what's going on with Joan. Um, right. The the pain that she, I mean, her appearance and the way that men treat her can be a source of power for her, but it's also a source right. of a lot of stress and sadness, and the yeah the 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 pain that she's under. I think that that's what's going on with her, and it's why she's so frustrated with Rogers. Like you don't get it at all. Yeah. Right. Nor is um, he trying to. I guess. Right. Now. There's a notable exception, exception to women reacting to um, Marilyn's death. Uh, that's uh, uh, Betty. We don't oh, see yeah. Betty respond to this. And I can I, I have a theory as to why that is. It's because Betty is Marilyn. Betty is Marilyn okay. Monroe uh, in terms of like, well, she's Marilyn and Don is Joe DiMaggio. They are the... They're play acting as the perfect couple in the 60s, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep. And Betty mm-hmm. is the this beautiful, perfect, blonde, bombshell wife. Yep. But and, – and this is kind of a, a common point and it's a difference. In this episode, Betty is like – you know, you could look at suicide as saying that, oh, Marilyn – you know, Roger phrases it that way, that she threw it all away. Like she sure. gave it up, which is a really unsympathetic view of suicide and mental yeah. illness. But yeah, absolutely. Betty is definitely willingly blowing up the image of the perfect domestic life that she had with Don in yeah. this episode. It, it After both struggling in, yeah. with it. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's like sleepwalking through her own life. She's not um, maintaining her appearance in the way that she feels that she has to. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing all those things in the house that seem – almost compulsive she's like i wrote in my notes that she's like ripping her life down to the studs 
In this, yeah, in, I mean, she's literally like yeah. redoing like de- decorum in the yeah. in the in the kitchen, and the ki- in the in the fridge and things of that nature. So Defrosting the freezer, everything, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> replacing the lining in the drawers, the shit that's like yep. you probably don't need to do this. You're just like looking for things to do, right? Uh, that's true. That, Distressed for sure. That one shot right at the beginning when she's at the top of the stairs looking at Carla walking the kids out. Yeah, doesn't I'm like, say anything. What a perfect like visual thing of like she's dissociating. She's mm-hmm. not in her life right now. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's very true. I mean, you know, it's 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 those little the show is so beautiful because they find a way to incorporate the real events of the time and weave it in so beautifully into yeah. the characters' lives. It's it's incredible. It's almost like it was meant that way. You know what I mean? It's just well done, well done. I uh, I did a, I read an, I read an article uh, about how Mad Men is written because mm-hmm. I was curious. Like, is there anything about how the writers' room worked? And um, it was by uh, it was actually by a Cornell college student uh, because Semi Chelis, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, mm-hmm. I actually don't know. I've never seen a picture of them, so I don't know if they're male or female. But I've always assumed they were yeah. female. Um, mm-hmm. She spoke at Cornell and uh, Cornell University, I think is where it was. And Mm -hmm. she said one of the things they did before each season was they were given – basically, Matthew Weiner was like the architect of the season. He would tell everyone, hey, here's where I think each character's plot is going to go this year. Um, Mm -hmm. He would show them poems, movie clips, records, but it would be – um, a bunch of stuff and they didn't know whether each thing would be important to the season or not. But, um, what would happen next is that all the writers, 10 to 12 writers usually, um, would be left to, for the next two days or so, come up with 10 pages of writing, uh, with like ideas for story. And one of the things <laughs> they were not allowed to do was to research the time period. They were not allowed to huh. research 1962 or 63 or put those events in the stories. Um, because the goal was Mad Men was supposed to reflect their actual lived experiences. Um, right. And Semi says that like, there's so many moments in the show that are, are literally ripped from personal stories from the writers. Like yeah. it's, it's, oh, so okay. they, they're not like trying to say, Hey, let's write a story about Marilyn Monroe's death or let's write about this or that. But maybe there was a natural story about how someone felt when they found out someone was dying. And then maybe the wine dog said, Hey, let's, let's make this related to Marilyn Monroe's death, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's why I've never been bothered particularly by when the real history creeps up in Mad Men, because it's not done in a ham, ham fisted sort of way. Like there's, there's some TV shows where it's very clear that the episode the current event was what the episode was built upon. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've never felt that way for a Mad Men episode. I, I've always felt like the current event is almost like an interruption to the regular yes. Mad Men episode. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Or an, mm-hmm. an interferer, like another character almost. Um, right. It's like, oh, and then and this happened. Yeah. And then this happened. And it's right. part of the plot mm-hmm. as opposed to it is the plot. Right. So, right. that's I think that can give a glimpse into why this episode feels the way it does where 
it could be a very special episode of Mad Men. And by that, I mean the old way you heard a very special episode of yeah. Saved by the Bell, <laughs> where it becomes a, a sappy <laughs> drug episode, anti-drug episode, to be clear. You're right. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> the characters and their motivations always come first on Mad Men. And it, that's yeah. why it's so organic with uh, Marilyn Monroe in this episode. I definitely yeah, agree. There's there's going to be episodes in the future where real life does intrude on the events. Mm-hmm. And we, I'd even argue that we do get episodes that feel like very special episodes. They're still pretty good because okay. it's Mad Men, but they're ones that yeah. I that they don't – I mean, there's times where it's the 60s. The gravity of the event is such that it does distort what's going As on in the story. Should, yeah. But, yeah. but this mm-hmm. one does feel a lot more organic in the way that it um, – reflects on the people we know in the show well this feels this feels like and maybe it's an odd comparison but there's that episode where everyone is talking about the lemon ad from volkswagen yeah Uh, Mm, yeah and this feels like you know analogous to that but in a more tragic scale but it's something that everyone's talking about and has their own opinions about and what they say about Marilyn uh reflects perfectly you know who they are as a person and I don't yeah, think it's sure. coincidence that in this episode we have Pete um, judging Freddie so damn harshly and saying yeah. those people uh, blame yeah. society. Yeah, he kept saying those people. Those that's people right. blame society for their problems. So that's basically Pete also what he would say the, about Marilyn Monroe. I hate to say it, this is not woke Pete. No, no. This, you know, is, yeah. not my, this is not my Pete. This <laughs> not is my not Pete. woke Pete. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, Pete's usually very socially progressive. Um, yeah. But True. It's the '60s. He's gonna reach a ceiling at some point, and he sounds he, like his dad. Yeah, he does. I think he's saying it because of his dad. Yeah, because it's his the dad, sort of thing his dad would say, probably right. But Jala, to, well, his dad you know, is. To, oh, go ahead, Mike. To pounce on what you were saying, I thought of this too. Um, his dad had an addiction to you know gambling and to yeah uh, compulsive spending and uh, yep. drinking, from what we can tell. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. From what his brother said about the state of the finances, we're surmising that anyway. Um, yeah, right. But he's he's lashing out because he's been screwed over by someone with a problem, and he he's ha- he's got unresolved issues with his dad. So, um, but you you guys are right, and that that's probably his dad talking too. You know those. People. Yeah, I think both things could be true. He could, you could definitely imagine someone like that saying, running their mouth about like, oh, these people have no self control; they're blaming society. While yeah having no control over his own actions yeah it's like you're, you're doing the same thing but okay yeah. <laughs> uh i had a Marilyn reaction that i didn't catch until like the last until today i watched this episode a couple of times to prepare and this puzzled me until this morning um when they walk into freddie rumson's office he's reading the paper he stands up and he just says my oldest daughter's 30 and she's had a string of bad bows. It's upsetting. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he says <laughs> yeah. it apropos of nothing and no one responds to it. Yeah, it's very um, weird dialogue. That's that's wine dog dialogue. It does I feel like wine say dog. That. It does sound like wine But <laughs> only today, I'm like, oh, he's looking at the story about Marilyn's suicide and imagining that, that his daughter could be in that position. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be why that could be why today he has had so much to drink. Yeah. It's a good Which, oh wow! Yeah, connecting the drink piece. Yeah, but nobody yeah. cares. Nobody even responds to him when he says, <laughs> "No, nobody yeah. gives a shit." They're like, "Whatever." All right, okay, Freddie. <laughs> cool. That's a good point. Holy shit! Yeah, is that Mozart? Yeah, Freddy? something had to ex- <laughs> something had to exacerbate that. Yeah, you know it's, what I mean. It's a good point that when Freddie had his accident, he wasn't also mm-hmm. showing them the Mozart thing. Yeah, 
<laughs> fucked up. <laughs> right. Start pretty bad. <laughs> the zipper. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. To shift, to shift gears a little bit, um, as far as for the energy of this episode, it has its somber notes, but I swear I have not laughed this much in an episode. Um, <laughs> there's so much funny shit in this episode that like I was just laughing at. The blood drive um, stuff is killer. <laughs> the blood drive stuff is really funny. Um, my favorite part is the um, when when Roger, Don, and uh, Freddy like meet the doorman. That's like the funniest shit. <laughs> He's <laughs> let me let me uh let me give us a, let me give you our names. I'm Dick Dollars. This is Mike Moneybags, and uh, and then Don has to be the clever asshole. Uh, Gives himself a Jewish name. But do you get that name? <laughs> Tilden Katz. Yeah, but we know Tilden Katz. Yeah, that's... is it is it his is it is it um the husband Rachel's yeah. husband? Wow, of course yeah. it is. Of course, Don. Of course. Yeah. So he saw the Mank- the Menken's bag. Yeah. What. <laughs> That's how much Don is like <laughs> slipping this episode. He's like leaving clues about I, what's going on. A lot on. of clues. I didn't remember that until you said yeah. that joke. Great catch. Wow. Tilden Cat. My wife's name is Rachel. She <laughs> 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 just starts crying you know, on cue. <laughs> you know, my wife, she's the, uh, she runs the Menken's department store. We're very happy look, together. Look, to prove it, I have the bag. <laughs> <laughs> look, it says Menken, her Sir. maiden name. <laughs> how else can I get this? <laughs> Anyone could have gotten that bag, sir, from the store. Yeah, it's <laughs> no one could have gotten that. It starts to it starts to cry. <laughs> no one could go that bag. <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, I was dying laughing this episode. There's some funny shit in here, man. If I still uh, posted on forums uh, like I used to, I would definitely get an avatar of Don's grinning like an idiot face uh, at the doorman because he he's so drunk and he's having a great time. Yeah, um, yeah. We haven't really talked about Freddy's plot much, so I do think that. It's it's something that I do want to get into in my mental health nook, but yeah. there's something I want to address, which is this is the second episode where a dog is sort of um, it's going off to the farm, you know, in a <laughs> yeah. sense. Because yeah, they do. <laughs> there's the literal sense of Chauncey being let go by Duck and being given to another family. Let's say right. What happened? Yeah, and then they are preparing to. Uh, <laughs> set this dog you know set this dog free um they more or less do like pull over on the side of the road and like all right freddy get out but you know there's that old thing where like if you're going to put a dog if you're going to put a dog to sleep and this is dark but you give it the best day ever um yes 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 you do all of its favorite things and in this case it's just drinking that they know freddy loves and will make him happy and they treat him like an you know they love him and but it's. It, I think that yeah, they love him. They they like Roger doesn't love him because he. I don't Roger, know. They. I think he might. There's real tenderness there. I think there is, but I don't know. You uh, know how he is though. Sterling's very you know come see come saw with his his like attitude about well, things, especially when it comes to like you know business related stuff. But, but should we get into the? Are we gonna, are we digging deep into the Freddy plot of this episode? Let's do that during the mental health nook, I okay. guess. Let's just uh, give our Manhattan ratings for the episode. For sure. As we get off this Carol sale. And I know I called it a Carol sale. sale, but it's almost Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe, would you like to uh, give us your rating for this episode? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to give it uh, four and a half Manhattans. Cool. I'm going to push half a Manhattan away from myself and say, look, I'm I can completely control myself. Uh, look (laughs) i did it (laughs) i mean mean, complete control 
Awesome, awesome. Five and, and a half. Uh, four and it's a, half. a really good one. Excuse me. Five, five and a half would be he went yeah. too far and drank too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you beat your pants. Yep. Glass, yeah. I say five and a half Manhattans, glassy eyed and vacant. <laughs> um, it's better than 100%. Right. It's more. It's. It's it's uh there's a reservedness that kind of keeps it from being like in my complete upper echelons, but I think it's a series high point. Okay, it's one of the one of the best for sure. Uh, Roland, what you thinking? Uno reversed card. You go. Aha, <laughs> I like that. I like that. So <laughs> I get one. Of, I get one of those per season. Is what I'm thinking. I like that. I like Do you feel that was a good that. use of it? No. <laughs> They but, always ask that. <laughs> Should you use it there? Uh, but it's nearly the end of the season, so I I doubt I would have a better place this season to use it. They're like personal days; point. they don't roll over. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can only use them once per mind. calendar year or season. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Wink. For me, man, um, you know it's funny. I was watching the episode from the intro, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a pretty good episode." And as the episode kept going and going and adding and adding to it, and I was having more laughs, and I was also really just enjoying the writing just thoroughly in this episode. Um, for me, man, it's undeniable for me a five. Um, I think this episode is a classic. Uh, I also believe that this would probably, I know this is really early to say, but if I look back, I bet this will be amongst my top ten. I know that's a really bold statement, but... I really enjoyed like everything that I saw. Mm. Um, I just so 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 much. A lot of foreshadowing, like we mentioned, and a lot of a lot of callbacks. And it just the times that were had during this episode, some darker than others, and some really just l- levity and fun that the boys were having. I just I just I just really loved it. I, I loved uh, how how it all came together and. You know this this episode did have you know our two main our our main pieces with uh, Pete and Peggy were still still involved yeah smaller roles but still involved and uh, I know that we had mentioned or uh, Mike had mentioned that uh, some episodes that keep it away from a five is not having Pete and Peggy in there mm-hmm. and uh, they were here and everyone was here really so um yeah I think last week was the episode where I went on a rant about how they don't have Pete appear enough in some seasons. So Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's quelled mm-hmm. my uh angry madman nerd rage. <laughs> He's the angry yes, madman nerd. <laughs> nerd. Uh, <laughs> cool. So it's a five all day for you. Yeah, I'm really loving it. Really loving okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um this is tough because if you were to poll me after watching the episode, I would say I had no nothing negative to say about it, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think about the pantheon of greatness that is my favorite Mad Men episodes, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really am mindful of how I actually felt while watching them, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with myself and say this isn't like a, a five for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say it's probably a 4.5. Um, okay. Just because I think if there's something really, really great that you can't really name any major criticism with, that is... That's about a 4.5 in my estimate. And then 5 would be like, this is life-changing. Not only is it without any huge flaws, but it's like perfect. So, yeah, I don't want to abuse the 5s. So, yeah. I'm going to say 4.5 for me as well. 
It's like I know what my good. fives are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew, I knew, like maybe, maybe like two or three episodes that I know are five that I can remember in my mind. The rest of the season, or excuse me, the rest of the the series will be um, new pickings. Yeah. So it's fun. Well, not to spoil it, but. There are episodes left in this season that, and there's one in particular I know is a five for me. Yeah, but um, there's other great episodes to come. That's the good news. Uh, nice. What if I said not to spoil it, but the rest of the season from here on out sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all really bad. Every episode I say, who cares? Yeah, that's, this is a three at best. <laughs> they actually ran out of story to tell. Matthew Weiner in a season two DVD interview, he says, "I gotta be honest, we uh." We ran out of stories around episode nine, and uh, <laughs> we didn't even try to come up with any other ones. So, uh, <laughs> when did the when did that big writing strike happen? It was it was before this, I'm assuming, right? Before um, this show, it was before Mad Men, but like very close to it because the writer's strike happened in 2007. Uh, oh, yeah, really close, really close. They were kind of pretty close, but God, that would be great to do some course. research on. Uh, yeah, because maybe. That would explain why the pilot is, oh, <laughs> is, I see. is one of my least favorite I see, episodes. I see. <laughs> yeah. You just got to write something there. Okay. Huh, magic Or machine. even the second episode that was- <laughs> The second uh, episode, the yeah. Room. Yeah. Listen, I, I was su- surprised by how much I enjoyed those first two episodes, despite the fact that they're not as good as other episodes. Yeah. So I, yeah I, I had I good expectations for those. Um, the, for sure, the flow content is never higher. <laughs> In season one, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, it's, a high, point. it's a high water mark for flow. The IMDb <laughs> message boards on Flow's profile. In in the aughts, we're just buzzing because they're like, "Is she on this oh, yeah. season of Mad Men? Is she in the promo picks? No, okay. Right. <laughs> is she in the promo? <laughs> Maybe next picks? season. Maybe next season. Um, you never know. <laughs> Great episode. Obviously, we all really enjoyed it, and. Um, but I think it's time to go a little bit deeper. Hmm. Let's enter the uh, Michael's relationship nook and mental health nook, Pierre Terre. Yeah, I think Michael. we've been calling it the relationship nook for a few episodes, and it was actually always supposed to be the mental health nook and relationship Pied de Terre. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I mean, I invite people to my nook, which is in the Pied de Terre, and we curl back and watch Mad Men and discuss it. Um, mm hmm. And for this episode, I'd like to put a spotlight on the scene where uh, Freddy has has urinated. The thing that always really struck me about this scene is it says so much about the characters. And the thing that makes me kind of sad is how Salvatore uh, reacts to it, which... And it would be... If any of the other characters reacted this way, I'd be pissed too, which is he's just laughing. Um, He keeps laughing and laughing. And I think Salvatore... Because of the the life that he leads, he really enjoys when other people are hurting, uh, and he really enjoys seeing people get, uh, you know, do do stuff that's kind of amusing. Or or like when Pete was in trouble with Don, he said to Pete, "Looks like you picked the wrong time to close on an apartment." Like mm, you know, he yeah. he seems to relish in others' mis- misfortune, which yeah, I wish we had known what he would say about Marilyn Monroe. Um, Oh, good point. Because, yeah. yeah, I feel like he would be doing the Pete stuff too. But yeah, then um, Pete is super judgmental while it's happening too, where he says, what the hell, Freddy? Um, and poor little Peggy is like, it's like she's seeing her grandpa. You know how Don is her father yes. figure in the show. Yeah. And it's yeah. like 
she loves Freddy she loves to Freddy. death. Like she's absolutely. She is super aware of the fact that like she wouldn't be doing this without Freddy because he supported her. Like when, <laughs> uh, yeah, of her office dads, Don is the um the demanding like disciplinarian who like. He's going to push you yeah. because he believes in you. Yeah, he loves you. He believes in you. But Freddy is going to give you the, like, support and the, the warmth. Yeah. Although he did spank her with his folder <laughs> the other day. I didn't like that part. I can't, and that was the sportsy way, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> but um, go get him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The go get him t- slap on the – yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Peggy, she was just you scared for him, you know, and, and mm-hmm. she's like, Freddy, why don't you sit down, you know, and – um. But the reason why I wanted to talk about that scene, too, is because I think it's so well written because in most shows, they would pick a stance where the show says Pete shouldn't have tattled on him or um, it was right to get mm-hmm. him out of there. Right. But the show explores both the options and and ways that, yes, what Pete, what Pete did was super underhanded. And Peggy has a point that if it was someone else, it would be a legend in the office um and crazy shit happens there all the time but the show has done a good job of explaining um showing but not telling rather that freddy is a severe alcoholic like he has a a sincere problem where he can't even do his job anymore and they've been building up to it gradually where from his first appearance where he's putting way too much vodka in a breakfast drink uh with, with orange juice to it was because of him being like passed out at that shoot that he couldn't get control of the situation with with um jimmy barrett and the Uts right. chips folks oh, right. you know because yeah, um, he he was just woken up right before that happened and he you know he's just out of it and he's not like ken says damn it freddie i don't mind that you drink but it's really starting to interfere mm-hmm. with your job and it's a throwaway line but and, and he's blaming freddie for what happened in that moment but you yeah, know he means good. it. Like people are people are aware that Freddie yeah. drinks too much, and ultimately, I actually think that Pete's. This is where it gets tough. I know that what he did was not in Freddie's best interests. He didn't do it for Freddie's right. best interests, but it's unprofessional. Like yeah, the, and the and Freddie, what he's going to get out of this is going to help his life become much better. Yeah. Uh, Pete was very letter of the so, law in that instance. Well, right. you know what I think it is with Pete? Right. Uh, Pete's ambitious. Yeah. Pete right. cares about doing his job well. Sure. And especially when his job is to um, – his job is to ride the line between um, the partying, freewheeling nature of like, oh, the advertising business and actually getting shit done. Right. And yeah. so he really is like, hey, you've – you fucked up. You are going to blow this pitch for me that I've done and I've set up with the client that I've worked hard to keep because you are out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's – he's like his whole you people, those people is people who don't take their job seriously. That's what I, I felt about Pete, where he was coming from. He's like coupling the two things. Like really. I'm a young he's he's a young guy with ambitions in the company who's mm-hmm. trying to get somewhere. It's like you're undercutting me. You've you you're messing with me now because you drink are like binge drinking in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's the coldness you know? of that competitiveness that he has. Like it's a very cold, right. you know, like you're saying Mike very it, it it's right in the sense that overall it's it's going to help 
Freddy realign himself. You would at least hope it's going to help realign himself. You know, sometimes the shoe has yeah. to drop for people to really take something seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I right. think that because of what Pete did, um, that can maybe start that train. But, you know, looking up, looking at it from like a relationship standpoint, it's very cold and, and, um, and um, unfeeling yeah. a bit. Or uncaring, I guess and I it's, say. The eagerness with which Pete and, throws and, someone under the bus. Right. It's the weasel thing again. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's bad that Pete did it. It's just like the way he did it. It's it's perfect to the character where you're not happy that he did it. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know he, he doesn't care yeah. about Freddy's best interest. It's because he wants to get his shit mm-hmm. done. And the scene where they all come out of that office is as weird as this sounds. I'm like proud of all three of those characters in that moment where they're, they're dealt a horrible hand with Freddie being incapacitated and um, Peggy has to step up and take charge of the presentation. And Sal um, he's, he's, they have a plan. They all work out a plan together Mm -hmm. and Pete takes charge and he does this cool, shoulder shake thing where he like <laughs> yeah, gets ready see, to perform and it's yeah. so he does cool have to, that's the thing he's like i have to get in the zone you've now thrown me off of yeah. like the salesmanship that i have to do mm-hmm. for this company yeah but it's so mm-hmm. cool and it's it's inspiring to me honestly and i love the look that peggy yeah, and sal focus. give each other well here we go you know but it's like they're kind of working together as a team and honestly peggy would never admit it out loud but she's kind of mad at Freddie for yeah, this too, by the way. It's a disappointment. She's, she's mad. Like when yeah. there's a disappointment, but also like she's worried about him. And and it portrays how people who love um folks who are mm-hmm. addicts, you know, how they how they feel because you yep. love them, but you're also like it takes a physic or it takes a real emotional toll yeah. their actions yes. on you. You can't yes. deny that. And Peggy, after the conversation with Freddie. She spent the whole conversation placating him and saying, it's okay. And like, we, we, we did it. And, you know, Freddie apologizes and says he can call them on Monday. But when Freddie leaves the room, you guys, Peggy's face yeah. is like, she drops yeah. it. Yep. She drops the facade and is just like, yeah, super tired. She's emotionally exhausted, there's, I think, from that. Just there's talking a resignation to when she's, even when she goes in to blow up at Pete, she's mad. But there's yeah. a resignation to her anger that she knows that on, that Pete is somewhat right. Yes. Yes, yes yep. that's the sad part. She she knows and she even says, congratulations, Pete. And I think the big important yeah. line for Peg is, I didn't want it yes. like this. Yeah. And Rod, and, and Don says, yes. but hey, that's how it Pete happened. Pete and Peggy have this life. in common. Mm-hmm. They really want success, but they want it on their own terms. Right. Yeah. Pete doesn't- And that's the, yeah. that's the youth. Pete doesn't yeah. want- uh, He doesn't want to just lean back on like his family's non-existent, as it turns out, money. He wants to build his own thing. <laughs> Peggy wants to be recognized for her merits and her abilities, and she doesn't want to feel like she's sliding into Freddy's chair. Yeah, not at the expense of yeah. cutting somebody else off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um, that, that last shot when they're in the meeting about the cartoon turtle, <laughs> um, I, I watched it a few times and I could not figure out what <laughs> what they were trying to do. It was something about a park, I think. But I love when Duck says – and by the way, Duck, the animal yes. thing again. Duck <laughs> wants the <laughs> magic when, talking duck. And I want to see the, <laughs> And I want to see this cartoon turtle. Like he's really excited about – I know it's because he wants to approve it. But I want to see I, that turtle. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But 
there's a moment where Duck asks Peggy if this is okay with her. Yep. And Peggy says, and this is like a deep, you know, it means more than just that meeting, but he's saying, is this, do you approve? And she's like, yes. And Pete's looking at her as it happens. It's like her basically consenting to, all right, this is my future now. This is how I got this. And I am now going to, it doesn't matter how you get something sometimes. It's what you do with that, like what you've been given. And she's going to keep kicking ass. That's that's our pay. It's what she wants. Uh, She wants to be the one to be like, oh, yeah, I'm responsible for this. It's my call. I'm (laughs) the creative on this account. Yeah. Yeah. It's hers now. Mm -hmm. And I love that. uh, I kind of like Pete. It's so fucking Mm -hmm. weird. But I kind of like Pete when Peggy talks to him, even though he's kind of sleazy when he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, congratulations, Peggy. But there's this weird thing where it's like, damn it. Like you mentioned, Joe, everything he's saying is right. He has a point, at least. Yeah, he he has a point. And I don't know. He he was smart in that scene where it's like, damn it. He's he's got a point. Damn it. The worst person you know (laughs) just made a good point. The worst person you uh, know just um, did get you a promotion. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sourness (laughs) behind it all. Pete from the pilot. There's plenty of room at the top. Yeah, it's true. True. He was always. He did help mm -hmm. Peggy. Always ahead of that. What if what if he had said I did this for you and then kissed her on the <laughs> that forehead? That would be disgusting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that would suck. <laughs> I did this for you. I still well <laughs> the look of I, horror you can imagine. Like, Get the fuck off me. Uh, <laughs> she more or less says that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, she the way she looks as he touches her shoulder. <laughs> she looks really good in this episode, by the way. She did. She her she outfit did that scene is 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 great. Yeah. I didn't really notice. I didn't really notice this time. She's just got a great look. She's got a great snappy look that says, I'm ready to take over for my drunken mentor. Yeah. <laughs> my drunken yeah. mentor, yes, indeed. I think I think my focus was on um, Don and his hat uh, and then on Roger. I think Roger looked pretty good in this episode in terms of his uh, snazzy dressing. He's starting to look... He was starting to look better in this episode because yeah. Jal and I have talked about how this is the saddest Roger season ever. <laughs> um, he's kind of a sh- uh, pale shell of himself. Yeah, what do you uh, think? Where do you think his his sort of joie de vivre is coming from? Uh, two heart attacks, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> the that's where his 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 new glow, his enthusiasm. No, the is new coming glow from. is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, oh, uh, I didn't know what joie de vivre. I thought that was. It means joy of life. Yeah. Okay, take yeah. two. Yeah, it's two heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to deliver it more confidently this he time. He says that too. No, this of episode. Two coronaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two coronaries. Um, no, obviously, it's in the background of this episode, but like the way Jane is talking to Don, at first you think it's like she's being nosy and like trying to be a good secretary, but I think she is is talking to Don extra compassionately because of what's going on with yeah. uh, her and yeah. the Raj. Um, uh, I wrote do you down think that so? she, Yeah, I wrote down that. Yeah. I was like, wow, she's really good at what she does. You know, just what kind of watching her in the in, intro of the episode and stuff like that. I was like, she really has a a, a, a good flow. It, it very, I know this is, I'm not trying to shit on, or not shit on Joan, but it, it's very Joan-esque feeling, um, you know, kind of. Where she's taking yes, care of exactly, everything. Touching all, all the spots. Yeah. So, um, Joe, Joe, yeah. you, you were incredulous a bit. Um, so, so um, from my understanding of the show so far, Jane has never been shown to be so attentive as a secretary um, or as thorough as she was in this episode. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I'm thinking that it has to do with Roger is because, you know, that feeling where 
let's say you hate someone and you've noticed that they've been online all day and you notice that because you've been online all day watching them. Uh, <laughs> maybe not the most relatable uh, situation, but I feel like that's Roger is noticing that Don hasn't been home yeah. lately because he hasn't been home lately. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, know? good point. So, Great point, actually. Yeah, I that's how Jane I took that. a swerve that the episode pulls on you because um, up to this point in the season, we've seen Jane as kind of crafty mm-hmm. and as yeah. being someone who's like trying to get a husband. And as soon as she learns that Don's at the Roosevelt, which is such a cool loaded phrase. Yeah. <laughs> He's at the Roosevelt mm-hmm. uh, in so many words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like she's pouring on the sugar to try to, like, ingratiate herself to him. I see. Uh, at, like she's gunning for him now that she knows, oh, his marriage is on the rocks. Sure. There's probably a way for me mm-hmm. to get in there. Definitely a theory. I think that's what the episode wants us to believe. And it's what makes the last moment of the show of this episode such a, like, gut punch yeah that i see i forgot about that moment and how it happened oh like i thought there was something leading to it but there's really just him saying jane on jane street and being kind of like like, too interested in where she lives oh pathetic roger yeah it wasn't like a lot of breadcrumbs to what they were doing it kind of you know that was very background so abrupt so weird yeah but that's why mad men rules because it feels abrupt and you go no, that was that was forecasting yeah. a bit. They were building Shit. it a bit. Yeah. Um, before we yeah. leave the the topic of like that office and Freddie peeing his pants, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to say this about Sal and his reaction. Sure. Um, it feeds into a larger point about like when Peggy says he would have been a legend in those you know stupid stories yeah. you guys tell, uh, and w- this is a thing that is in. The rest of the discussions about alcohol and alcoholism in the episode is mm-hmm. that, oh, the the other agencies, uh, the other clients, rather, they think we're like this anyway. Uh, the yeah. way that everyone talks about advertising is this hard drinking party business. And what we see, the people are drinking constantly. Mm-hmm. And there are drunken, embarrassing shenanigans all the time. Sure. So, I think that with Sal in that moment – what we're seeing is like a, almost a code switch moment. And I think something that Sal has to do really hard to try to fit in. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like he it's, – it's the switch from, oh, this is a wild – like a wacky shenanigan to mm-hmm. seeing him just pass out in his chair to be like, no, this is actually really scary. This is a scary yeah. level of drinking. Yes. He – oh, right. to give Freddie some credit, uh, he's presumably blackout drunk at this point, but he could still rattle off copy yeah. like it's nothing. <laughs> he seems totally normal when he's reading the the Samsonite copy. Um, yeah. Then pisses himself and falls asleep in his chair. He was standing, yeah. man. He was standing yeah. and Yeah, he was standing. What the hell? He looks bad in the he's he's no slush yeah, no and sweaty, flop sweaty when they come into the office. He like He's terrible. No, he looks awful. Yeah. It's so it's I thought it was funny, by the way, Joe, that uh, Don and Roger are drinking while they're talking about everyone thinks we drink all the <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> yes, that's it's true. People are drinking. Uh, yeah, through it's, the whole episode. And and to I don't know. Do we want to talk about more about alcoholism in this uh, episode? Sure. We're in the I mean, we're in the pied de Yeah, I mean, the thing that I noticed is that so many characters are laying down in this episode, yeah. uh, and that's my mom noticed yep. it too. Uh, our mom. Yeah. Joe. Right on. Uh, not not Mike. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry, Mike. Your mom didn't notice it. <laughs> here's, <laughs> in the watch. Um, well, here's who I think is really interesting in this episode. Like, I was really watching him for stuff. It's Duck. 
Because mm. Duck is a – it's the 60s. This is – we're seeing their ideas of what it means to have a drinking problem mm-hmm. to what normal drinking is. Mm-hmm. There is this awareness that, uh, you know, Roger and Don have – about like what actually crosses the line mm-hmm. of like the amount of drinking that is a problem. Mm-hmm. They don't just they don't have our ideas of alcoholism, but they do talk about recovery and and programs and stuff. Yeah, that's true. It is a it's a weird nebulous line that they just arbitrarily decide. All right, well, Freddie, you've crossed it, but it is like a, a fiat call. But um, Duck, Duck is someone who is trying to be sober. He's in recovery. He mm-hmm. went through a program, yeah. so. I think that whereas Pete is in weasel mode here, and while Duck is not the most sympathetic, he's the only one with a real perspective of like, this office culture, this business culture is fucked up. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And it's impossible. He's like, I know – he knows that Freddy is sick. Yeah. And that it's impossible for him to get well in this office. He understands the seriousness of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like – what does he say? He's like – like this is the something like this is the best thing for him or, or yeah yeah something along better the lines here. of that yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's Crazy. right yeah he's he's been in the program he understands how serious and how bad it can get yeah or at least he's he's given up drinking because we don't oh, know like if he's uh, in the program. gone to re- yeah, rehab sure. yeah he may have just because you know duck he may have just said. Today's day one. Yeah. I'm not drinking it ever again. Good point. Um, that was like part of the rumors at the end of season one, right? They were like, he went to some- Yeah. He oh. probably went to some place that like is a rehab right. place he dried out. They talk about that with Freddie too. Like, you can take some time off and dry out, go to some place. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I feel like they said that he got involved with a woman he shouldn't yep. have and blew that. up uh, and was super drunk. Yeah. But um, they probably said something about a facility, but- Everyone calls him a teetotaler yep. and says, oh, he doesn't drink. And they they act like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Motherfuckers on the know. show are constantly offering pe- duck drinks. Yeah, that's true. Yes. What's a teetotaler? Do you yeah. guys have any consensus of that? That's an old-fashioned term so, for – yeah, Michael. It's it's an old-fashioned term for someone who just doesn't drink alcohol. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. Teet. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I think it's just like they draw this line and, and say it's like what straight edge right. means now, yeah. uh, or they just they keep totally straight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for relationships, <laughs> there's um, a lot of Betty and Don to crack open in this episode. Yeah, yeah, but that's also kind of the fatherhood corner. We've we've started to have the fatherhood corner be about like marriage stuff, because yeah. um, what would I know about? Well, that? not even so much. Um, just the fact that I think there's less. You know, Don gets to do less fatherly things as the season goes on. But, you know, he adds a little bit here and there. And um, their, his father, you know, father-type ways kind of surface more into, like, his husbandish uh, relationship. That's kind of more the focal point. And then, like, the kid stuff kind of comes in here and there. And then the office stuff kind of is every so often we get to see that little glimpse of, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well... I like that this episode continues the thread of Bobby being an annoying shit. Um, <laughs> so much so that Carla bursts into the office because she thinks – she immediately assumes Bobby is fucking around in there. And she yells Bobby. when she opens the door. Bobby? <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to Hollis because this was yeah. a great Hollis episode. He, he had guts I in this episode it. where he was just – he was so cool in how he talked to uh, Peggy and Don – 
And he, he also, um, he got to, he's, he spoke his mind, but I think he knows that Don and Peggy are the more progressive, um, people, one of, some of the more progressive people yeah, in the office. Yeah, being a, you know? being an but elevator guy, you hear everyone talk, so you kind of get a better gauge of who's who. <laughs> yeah, and he, he felt safe being a black man and, uh, giving his opinion about right, this stuff, right. you know, which we haven't seen Hollis really pop off like that before. That's a good point. Um, I, and also, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Joe. I took half a page of notes about the elevator scene. It's a great scene. I'm oh. obsessed with every line of it. Oh, um, no, yeah. no, the writing in in the elevator is, I mean, the writing it's in the elevator. It's all great. But yeah. It's just one of those things where every, I like, it, you know, when you, when you have like a book and you underline every, yep. <laughs> everything, it's yep. all, yeah. um, I think that, I do think that there's something about the event, the, no, the notion of like the shocking event that mm-hmm. it, it breaks through the sort of like racial and professional divide yes. between Hollis and them. Yeah. He just he just throws out there like Yeah, I've been thinking about, you know, you hear about Marilyn, the poor thing. Uh yeah. and they're right there with it. It isn't they don't look at him sideways. And that could be because it's um they know because he knows Don's cool and then Peggy's cool. Mm. Yeah. Peggy's well, she's not cool, but she's nice. And Yeah. <laughs> but God, like <laughs> hey, you know what's a loaded thing for Don to say? Uh what does he say? Um Gosh, I could. Yeah, he said something like it's predictable because of the way she lived um, her life. Something yeah. like well, he that. He says like, uh, uh, yeah, suicide is disturbing. It, oh, yeah. Don, do you find suicide disturbing? Does someone? <laughs> does the topic of this bring up someone in your life? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man. Yep. Yep. Peggy, my brother. Yeah, Peggy. Just with you know, I. It's hard to think of someone like that being alone. Uh, Hollis, I <laughs> I wrote down. Some people just hide in plain sight. And the yes. next to that, I just wrote in capital letters, bruh. Yeah, it's the bullet. It's hey, the bullet of the ho- scene. Hollis, what do you know about pe- about hiding in plain sight, <laughs> man? Um, hey, do you know he's got a novel? Really? It's it's, oh, it's such a shame. I took that. During the blood drive. I, <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So that was a joke. I, I, I had that. <laughs> I had that. Okay. I was going to say. I was going to say. You were like super excited. So I didn't want to. I wanna, think it might be true. But. You think it might be true? Because I – here's the thing. This is going to sound like I'm, like, racist. <laughs> shut, um, shut you think that's a, that's him pulling a Kenny? <laughs> I don't think that, uh, oh, that was, um, pulling a Kenny – That was our friend uh, um, uh, Paul. Paul Kinsey says that. Paul Kinsey. Mm. So, Paul Kinsey says that, but here's the thing. I was just excited as you were, Joe, where I was like, holy crap, Hollis has a novel because I was paying attention to every dialogue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I was excited because I'm like this, but then I'm like sad because it's like, oh, this elevator operator turns out he's a writer. So, remember, <laughs> the scheme is that they're going to hire yeah. every single person they can and, you know, they're going to be creative writers. And so, I thought the joke was, turns out he's a, he has a novel and that's why they hired him and they gave him a dollar for the day. Right, right. You're like, because they're trying to get people. They're not trying to like find people who have a history <laughs> right. with writing. You know, so I think you're right. Unfortunately, I was so excited. I And I, I also, too. <laughs> I'm just so sad we never got a Hollis episode. I know, that'd be so great. so great. That would be so I have to say, Michael, what convinces me that you're right and that it was just um, the blood drive gag is that uh, there's no universe in which Paul Kinsey finding out that the elevator operator is right. a novelist and he accepts that gracefully. That right. Yeah, he was cool he about it. He lost his fucking mind because Kenny Cosgrove <laughs> is a writer. He finds out that Hollis is a writer. Yeah, he'll kill although, himself. It could also be <laughs> Well, here's the here's the way. It's the jealousy on one hand, but on the other hand, uh-huh. uh 
would he be able to throw Race. up oh. to, to to pass by the chance to be publicly supportive of a black right. person? Yes, sure, sure, sure. Man, this is tough because Hollis could this be is ambiguous. Uh, this uh, is why Mad Men's so good. <laughs> did you know he's a novelist? And then he's looking around like, I think that's great. <laughs> I really liked Hollis's novel. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> I think that's great, actually. Talking uh, to Joan, I think... <laughs> Yeah, talking to Joan, he's doing that thing where his face is too close to hers and his mouth is right in, next to her nose. He lets Hollis's book fall out of his great. messenger bag. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, sorry. Just a, just a book I've been reading. It's a co-worker of mine. A co-worker of mine. I think you know him, He's a friend of – well, a friend. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I, go up, I go up the elevator too, Yeah, we, we all know him. <laughs> yeah, but, well, we all know him. That's know. good too. I really would love for Hollis could be to be a novelist and I would like for Matthew Weiner, this is a chance for him to make mm. things right. Like, can you tell us? I know we're supposed to be shown and not told, <laughs> but in this instance, I need to be told if Hollis Let's is get actually El Camino a novelist. style spinoff for Hollis. <laughs> that would be sick, actually. Turns out, I think yeah. Hollis, um, he writes fiction that is heavily inspired by the events in that office. I think. <laughs> Wouldn't that be yeah. something? You know, you know, it's funny though. Given the just the times and how things were, like, z- like not surprised at all if that were the case. You know, people. Yeah. You know, especially the black community at the time. Like, people are living these, um, I guess, double lives in a way that, like, yeah. I I do my work, and then outside of my quote unquote work, I live my life, and I do like things that I enjoy. And, you know, that could that could be writing, that could be being a musician, a famous musician, even like they could fill all these roles that you would never know about. Because when they go in on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're, they're just this guy. You know, I'm just the elevator guy. I'm just the door right. man. I'm just the, you know, the dry cleaning dude. You know what I mean? Like these small roles. So they have to slot into like a labor role. Yes. And, and that makes you interchangeable. Right. You put exactly. on the elevator operator uniform and that's your function now. Right. Yeah. That's like that sugar man searching for sugar man. He still had a regular job despite the fact that he was famous in many countries. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would like for, and those people, by the way, if they're still around, like, in fact, there's probably more of them now because in order to be famous on YouTube or Spotify, you, there's still such a high level you have to get to before you can make it full yeah. time. I bet there's tons of people who make a decent amount of money on Spotify mm-hmm. royalties or um, YouTube uh, payments, but they still have to keep yeah. their jobs, you know, exactly. their day jobs. Exactly. So, you know, like yours truly, I mean, the Destiny Park Media royalties, um, they're definitely enough uh-huh. to uh, live a very lavish lifestyle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um but I, I just live such a lavish lifestyle that by the time I'm – I still need to keep my regular yeah, exactly. job. Coats and furs you know. and all. But aside from that, you know, <laughs> yeah. very humble. Yeah, coats and furs. I actually just spend it all on coats and furs. <laughs> and then and I look at the receipt and say, what's the what, what's the damage? Okay, that's – I just wasted my royalties that's okay, again. That's okay. okay. Another fur. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, um, Matthew Weiner – uh, or we could try – let's try to get the actor who plays Hollis oh, on the shit. show, Jolly. Yeah. Because, yeah, maybe he would know. That would be awesome, actually. And he'd say, well, we're not supposed to tell you the character's backstory because it could be a spinoff. That's his actor's secret uh, is that he is a novelist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell us the truth. No, no. It's – yeah, tell us the truth, man. Come on. But, yeah, uh, Don and Betty have never been worse uh, or more disconnected. And 
Um, that scene where Don drops off the kids, I honestly didn't remember that scene either. Like, yeah. I kind of remembered season two as like when he's gone and not living at home with them, he and Betty don't see each other. Right. So, that scene was really a tough thing to see. I mean, because those poor kids, they don't know what's happening. And Don has a point. We have to tell them something eventually. Um, he's kind of doing that to pressure Betty to make a decision. Yeah. And I think the great thing about the show is like, I had characterized it as Don really, really wants this relationship to work. But when he's talking to Roger in the bar, it almost came out of left field for me that he's like relieved that Betty has found out about his yeah. cheating or, or that this is happening mm-hmm. to him because he knows he deserves it. Yeah. He says um, he doesn't feel bad about he's it. He's really, all. he doesn't feel bad sometimes. about it. Right. Yeah. And he, he sometimes that right away, but yeah, <laughs> but honestly, it seems like Don really isn't fighting that hard for Betty. Like he's not doing any gestures. Yeah. Uh, he's just pressuring her and strong arming her into except what happened, getting him back yeah. home. Yeah. Except you don't know what happened for sure. Exactly. Which is so, another like feather yeah. in his like, I'm right, Cap. Whatever Don is willing to cede or offer does not include owning up to what he did. Never. Right. Yeah. Right. The li- the line from last week that I loved was um, when, when Betty is talking to him about like, there's basically this moment where he had a chance to make things right, where Betty says she doesn't want it to be like this. Um and, and Don says, I don't want it to be like this either. And B- Betty is offering some softness to him and basically giving him a chance to confess, mm-hmm. you know, like, let me know. Did you do it? And she realizes that Don never says he loves her. Oh, and man. Don says, of course, I say it. I say it all mm-hmm. the time. But it's like he's he's kind of gaslighting her he there. Is. It's like, he it's like he, he's pretending that he says it yeah. all the time and because he, he's like, well, you should know. Yeah. But he says this thing where it's like. Um, she asks, "Do you love? Do you hate me?" And he goes, "Oh God, no, no! I I love you and and the children and our. I need this. Like I need this life, you know. Or I I don't know what I would do without uh, without mm-hmm. you all. Um, something yeah. like that. Where I think it's clear that he's just really really scared. In the same way that Freddie is about not going into the office mm-hmm. every day, he's scared. Who am I if I don't come home to this right. every exactly. Night? Yeah. Or whenever I yeah. feel like it. That's what he's really scared of. He's not all that... I, I, this this may be a mischaracterization on my part, but I really think he's not in love with Betty. He doesn't love her anymore, and I don't think he's that scared about losing her at this yeah. point. Yeah. It's Hence more about... Relievedness. He probably thinks he is. Yeah. But it's I think it's more like scared of losing his status as the, the happily married man with a successful yeah. job and the place where he can go to blow off... Uh, or not bluff to relax after work and feel like, I mean, he has two kids who love him to death, you know, and he doesn't have to raise them. I mean, at all. Sterling says as much during their conversation. He's like, you know, why we even do this? He's yeah, kids, 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 I guess, and other yeah. things too. But yeah, <laughs> um, do you guys have anything to offer there? I do, Jolly. Do you want to go or? Um, I mean, part of this is just. A lot of the fatherhood or the fatherhood corner talk, which is just kind of yeah. Betty and Don's falling out officially. And the, the only thing that I had of note is that, um, it, you know, Betty doesn't doesn't really have a plan. Um, I mean, no. rightfully so, by the way. I mean, it kind of all happened very abruptly. And now she's kind of left with 
they're all kind of left with their decisions. Yeah. So I wrote down like she's in a state of arrested development. Yeah. She's I think in, in Betty's mind, their marriage is over. Mm-hmm. She just yeah. wants him out. And but she's not yet willing to say the word divorce. Sure. It's a big thing, especially for that time. I think here's what I was thinking about with Don. Um, and I guess I have a, like a larger thing about Don in this episode sure. and how Don relates to Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, Freddie's sympathy towards Don is entirely about his own situation. You know, when he's saying like, "How can we fire Freddie?" He's saying he's he's transposing his feelings of how can you yes. fire me from yeah. our relationship. <laughs> from our relationship. Yeah, yeah. For oh. just just because someone's made mistakes, just because you've heard something about them. Just because, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a man's name. Yeah. All that shit. That's just about him. Uh, and I think that when he's talking to Roger at the end of the episode, when he's talking about the relief, um, I think that facing the prospect of the end of his marriage has him like, I don't know, maybe he's blustering when he says he doesn't feel bad. I don't think he doesn't feel bad about what happened with Bobby Barrett. Because we can see how he's acted about that stuff. There's some real – I think there's definitely self-loathing with that. But sure. I don't think he feels bad about the underlying issue, which is that he's not happy in his marriage. Right, right. I mm-hmm. think that's the the relief. All the stuff he's talking about, like it's your life and moving forward. I think mm-hmm. that contemplating the end of his relationship with Betty in this way does have him thinking like – I mean, I even still think that Don loves Betty. Even if he's not in love with her. Sure. I think Don cares about Betty and he definitely loves and cares about the kids. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think he's willing to do a lot for Betty in in a sense. Mm-hmm. It, the fucked up thing is that his his facade of, of caring and being present in their relationship is for her. Sure. But he's like he, – facing up to the idea of like, oh, this is over and maybe I'll have to move on and find something would be it, – it's allowing him to be honest about his feelings in a way that he normally can't because – self-deception is the don draper you know it's the one move in his playbook is like yeah it, it also fits, yourself don't think about it right and it also fits with his flea mentality or yeah his flea nature i should say yeah mm-hmm. i bet he's even already he's he's at work hard at work framing this as a narrative about his reinvention you right know? as he was uh, just kind of drunkenly going through that with 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 uh, Roger as they were speaking, you know, those yeah. words were kind of coming out of you know out of him deep within himself, and um, it obviously yeah. spoke to to Roger a certain way, and um, and uh, oh, man, it shows. I, yeah, I love the way that this episode is like the stuff you say about your life can be totally misunderstood by someone else. Because absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah. that's Don Draper at the end of his fucking rope. He's he's. He's just trying to come to terms with something that has, like, happened to him, with him losing everything. Yes. And for Roger, who's also miserable in his marriage, that stuff sounds hopeful to him. It's inspiring to him. Yeah. I mean, Don's an inspiring guy. So, when he's saying these type of words, it's, like, very, like, oh, shit. And, and, you know, the the confirmation being, like, well, I guess we're in this together. And he's, like, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Don didn't know what that meant. No, absolutely (laughs) not. Yeah, yeah. Roger meant it. Roger thought it meant something (laughs) else. (laughs) Roger and I, I forgot that too. I'm like, oh yeah, that is cute. They're in, we're in this life thing together. But Roger takes it as we're in this end of the relationship. Yep. Together. Yeah, we're in blowing up our life together. <laughs> right, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, buddy. <laughs> well, 
I wish Roger had set, had been more clear. Like, well, I guess I'll end it then uh, hey, with with Mona. Hey, buddy, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I am all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know exactly what you mean. Right. Wink. Let me make a quick call. <laughs> he leaves the. <laughs> I would have him slurring when he says that too. Let me make a quick call. call. <laughs> That's why Don is so horrified the next day because it's. It's like that thing where mm. you did something when you were drunk and you point. weren't really yourself that it came back to bite you in the ass the next morning. Like, and it's it's disgusting and ugly yeah. to, to see what you've done when you're wasted. Yeah, like, but, but there's truth in that there? from what I was saying. Yeah. 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 yeah it, and it's also oh, – I was just saying like that, that's, 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 um, that's right what you're saying. But there's there's also a level of – truthfulness that's coming out because of the drink the drinks kind of just inhibiting don's looseness right. you know the funny thing sterling i mean i guess you you know mike and um joe you know like sterling's very free when he speaks it doesn't matter if he's drunk or not i mean even though most times he is but he's not he doesn't have a problem speaking about difficult things or things that happen to him in life like he just he'll he'll just speak he speaks with about betty and stuff like that yeah. and he doesn't care but don is so you know everything is secretive i mean he even says in the episode like don's very close to the vest that <laughs> yeah. he needs to be put pushed to the edge from an alcoholic you know an alcoholism level to even start to express some of those things that he feels within himself so but that's the thing is that like just because he's horrified about it i mean it's because it's so right, truthful exactly like if, if you left a, an embarrassing drunken voicemail to an ex um I'm sure there would be stuff in that voicemail that would be 100% <laughs> yes. true. And that's what makes it so uncomfortable and horrifying the yes, next morning. Exactly. So, that's why that's why Don is – I mean, that's doubly why he's so freaked out. The other thing is that this is a huge, huge change. And he's like, how did I miss this? As Roger meekly tries to hold Jane's hand. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> what a fucking scene. <laughs> why would you do that in front of the office, Yeah, everyone can see oh. him. That's so true. It's like, what the hell? Humiliating. Yeah. Like he had a he had a chance to like at least let his wife leave with some dignity, um, and to not ensnare Jane in the situation. But then he tries to hold her hand. Ugh. Well, and then that's Jane, one of those things that has to happen so we can understand. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's a TV yeah. show. It, uh, this is a TV show. I mean, it's um, out there though. It's out there on Front Street. That's for damn sure. Yep. Yep. And Joan is going to be so pissed. Oh, she's. I think I might have. Yeah. I think I told you that. Uh, last episode but i think um i was like man this is why this is why joan is like gonna be like pissed off because because of this move that he did uh it wasn't it didn't happen yeah. yet, but this was the move that's like okay you do it this is when you do it now at all times yeah. this is it you decided to go that way imagine i think i know why that is and though it, why is that i mean i mean besides it, their talk of course well, when I was looking for connective tissue uh, between like the first half of the episode and the second half, because mm -hmm. the Marilyn talk, it, it ends with Joan, which is great because Joan mm -hmm. has been synonymized with Marilyn. But mm -hmm. um, she ends that conversation by telling Roger, you know, someday you're going to lose someone very close to you, mm -hmm. which is like a, you know, cutting remark from her. But um, truthful, he already has. Mm. He already has. He's okay. already lost Joan. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that this... I think that he transposes that yearning for Joan and mm -hmm. the life that he could have had with her. Yeah. Um, on to Jane, yes. which makes sense because she's yes. the Joan replacement. Yes. Um, yeah. Younger. Yep. So I think that's part of what he's carrying with him into the night at the casino. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good yeah, point. Absolutely. Well, 
let's let's end let's get all get out of my nook here um and i think jala if it's okay with you let's try out joe's new segment yeah which is the ghosts of dad men future uh <laughs> let's do it so what's the way this spirit, is gonna what work name is on that headstone <laughs> nice is this the uh the way yeah the way this is gonna work is listeners we're gonna get into spoiler talk for the first time on this podcast except for that one time uh when emily was on the show for part one uh sorry about that um the funny thing is is that if i don't call attention to it i bet you wouldn't even notice if you were like casually listening to the show uh but a- anyway there's gonna be some spoiler discussion so if you're in your car you can change the station uh as, as if we're on the yeah, radio station yeah. <laughs> um just t- turn it down for a bit or uh turn it off and We'll we'll put in the notes. We'll put a time um, the timestamps. Yeah, for when this is done. But um, Joe really wanted to talk about how this episode relates to perhaps some future Mad Men events. And uh, take it away, Joseph. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me for giving me the time. Um, so as I said before, I I watched this uh, as part of a kind of a series rewatch, uh, and it was the first time I'd really gone back to revisit season two mm-hmm. after having like you know seen the whole show. Yeah, and what really surprised me is the way that this episode is predictive of the future for Don Draper. Uh, my you know what I said was that uh, in the later half of this episode, Don is having dinner and drinks with his futures um he is going to be at various points over the show he's going to be roger sterling and he's going to be freddie rumson um at the end of season five no season four uh don is going to impulsively marry his secretary uh in a move that sort of embarrasses him to the rest of the office and to those close to him uh in a way that they don't really understand they sort of are laughing at him about it um and then at the end of season six don is going to although not drunk he's gonna have the opposite problem uh he's going to be suffering from alcohol withdrawal and uh embarrass himself in a client situation and be given the same offer of the six-month leave with no return date to be to be told in so many words you're out you've made a mistake uh, that is so great that we don't want you anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll even see Freddie Rumson make this kind of weird triumphant return uh, in season seven as like Don's partner in crime slash <laughs> like AA sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> so even even the part about recovery, the idea of like seeing your your alcohol, your drinking as a problem that needs to be like fixed or addressed. This is something that is predicted for Don. So, and I think that's such an interesting thing about the show. Don, we see him over and over again, positioned as like an iconoclast. Mm-hmm. He's this unique guy. He's different from the people in the office. He's, he's our main character. He's like kind of out of time. He's, you know, maybe got modern perspectives, but the thing is, no, he's not that different. He's going to have the same fuck ups as the people in this business that he's close with he's not you know he's not immune to those foibles yeah uh, there's an arc for these dudes and it's he follows the arc to a t so yeah i think I, I described this episode as a rosetta stone for looking at mad men's future and especially don's future yeah, hmm. yeah. and I, I i'm sure they didn't 
really know that. I'd be surprised if they had that plotted out in advance. That would be interesting. Um, I'd be stunned, but it's... Right. Wouldn't put it past them, that's for sure. <laughs> there's definitely one relationship that I think it's um, interesting to look at in this context, and certainly there's you know, more discussion that can be had when these episodes come up. Mm. Roger and Jane kind of come out of nowhere. It's it's a stealth background thing that shows up that they, you know, that they get they get married all of a sudden. It seems totally random, and Don especially is like, "What the f- what was that all about?" Sure. Uh, but then Don and Megan in season four and five, I think that we're meant to take that as like how things work out for them is going to fill in the blanks for what happened with Roger and Jane, because for whatever reason, Jane is not that. Um, prominent in the show yeah. going forward. No, other than that, that's really it. Yeah. I mean, everything else can be uh, talked about in the context of this episode. But I think it's it's so interesting that these big moments in the show call back to this like uh, middle of the season episode with you know almost joke character Freddie Rumson. Yeah, it's uh, remarkable that if you're paying attention to the show and remembering. Uh, thematic occurrences later on in the show you start to see seeds that were planted way earlier than you realized um and it does make you wonder how much of each character's entire arc was planned out so i I think that it probably was an accident um but once they realized what was happening they pounced on that and uh made sure that it thematically called back to this episode because like you had mentioned earlier Duck is in the episode where Don is given six yeah, months that's leave, right. which is insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's one of the big twists of the that season six finale. By the way, one of my favorite episodes ever. That would be a fiver. I'm pretty yes. sure. I got to come um, back for that if I if it's all right yeah. with you. Well, we'll <laughs> that's see. That's in my short list. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see. That's, we'll see. Yeah. You're, you, there's a line. You crossed it. <laughs> and I, I, I wet it. All right. You'll, should we? You'll clean. You'll cl- you'll clean up, and we'll see how you do. <laughs> all right. Uh, Let's get out of the spoiler zone then. Okay, guys, come back. If, you, if back. your volume's really low, let's all yell really loud so they can hear it, even if their volume's at like one. It's over. Let me turn okay, my here we go. turn my gain way up. <laughs> so now it's time for my favorite segment, which which is uh, it's a good time for me to go to the bathroom and take another bathroom Uh-oh. break. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Uh-oh. not going to do that. Interesting. It's time for Mike Jala's Fatherhood Corner. All right, fellas. Um, Fatherhood Corner is going to be short because we have already hit most of the beats of the Fatherhood Corner. Um, a lot of it was talked about when we were speaking about um, Don and Betty and their whole uh, relationship and how things have been on the, I mean, obviously on the rocks for a long time. And, you know, Betty not having a plan for this, uh, for where their relationship is really going. And, you know, the issue here that I can really jump on um for the father corner is the kids piece which is that you're doing okay as a, a an adult and a soul person you know you have your own feelings your own wants and your own needs and things of that nature but when you have kids that are along with the ride with you you also have to take into account how they will handle and deal with things as news comes whether that's a positive or a negative for the family structure in general and Betty ultimately is doing the right decision by for herself to sever ties with Don and, you know, their relationship. But nothing's official. 
But from what we are seeing, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of, it's just, you know, she, she wants, she, she wants this to be over. And, you know, even Don wants it to be over in a certain way, even though he knows that he's better seated with the family because of the kids. So, um, so it becomes complicated really. Um, and not having a plan does kind of, does kind of disrupt the whole family structure and the kids kind of having this whole back and forth, this tug of war and more, more so the uncertainty of what's coming next. And, um, yeah. In that there's, there's the issue with, um, you know, what has kind of transpired over time with, uh, with their relationship. Um, and I think the decade or not the decade, but the time period, you know, co-parenting, obviously I'm sure it's something that's been going on forever, but I don't know if it was a go-to plan right out the gate for something like this situation. Um, a lot of times I feel like maybe this would be something where it'd just be like, this action happened between you and you and her. So that means I split and I go do my own thing over here. And then you're going to do your own thing where you are. And we will meet together in some form or fashion at some point in time. And I just feel like in this situation, it's still pretty fresh and new. So everything's kind of up in the air. I mean, Betty can tell too. I mean, she, she's not, she's not sure how to, handle anything that's going on even to the point where betty is so um she's trying to you know on one hand reconstruct her life at home but then on the other hand trying to look into don's things to see if she can find some concrete at least that's what i thought she was doing in don's office trying to break in to find like some concrete things to be like no 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 this is it this is the bullet my decision is right yeah this is what this is why i did it but she has not found that yet, and um, to be honest, I don't know if she uh, if she will, and it, it shouldn't really hinge on that. To be honest, um, it's just it's just something yeah. I guess I guess a level of closure that she's trying to find that I don't think she has found yet, and um, she would she would serve well to listen to Carla and her advice about you know, relationships yeah. and things of that nature. Good point. I know she was snippy. I mean, yeah, she was, she was, she's, she's still, she's still down bad and doesn't want to hear it. But I think that, yeah. um, it, it served her well to, um, to, to listen to all, all avenues of information and to be truthful about what's going on. I mean, she didn't even let her friend know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how Sarah mu- Beth. yeah, I don't know how much <laughs> friends they are, but, she didn't let her friend know oh. like what was going on, even after like she's unintentionally digging a hole <laughs> into Betty's soul. And Don's just perfect, and you guys just do great. <laughs> yeah, like, oh man, it's like shut up. But yeah, you know. So, do do you think so? What do you think Betty's goal is uh, with setting Sarah Carson up with? Uh, that that was like some hurt, some hurtful. I mean, um, as far as from what I viewing it as it was like a you know if i'm gonna be in this predicament situation and you're over there frolicking and fucking around then you should be in the same predicament too even though she feels better about it because her friend is the one being the don draper of the situation so i can say fuck you to that and set you up and see what happens Mm. and i'm i'm i don't know because he's he's engaged so sure sure i i kind of mean it more in the sense that like 
she's entertaining him quite a bit and hasn't pulled the trigger on anything. And obviously, like the I don't even know the guy's name. I, I just call him the horse boy. But <laughs> <laughs> the the horse boy is Arthur. Arthur. Okay. Is it is Arthur, it bad if I still call him the is. horse boy? <laughs> No, no. I, look, I I had to look those up yeah. and write them down to be like, okay, it's not horse boy and horse girl. It yes. is Sarah Beth and Arthur. <laughs> I think also a lot of what makes Betty angry is that this guy is kind of being flirty with that girl yes. too. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's the other piece. <laughs> that's probably a big part of why she's yes, mad. Definitely. Like, you. You, you just <laughs> dancing around without both. Of I us. thought I was yeah, special. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I, that was slick. This kid, this kid yeah. sucks. Horse Boy is the worst SNL character since Goat Boy, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, he's. A, I'm not a fan of him per se. Just... But yeah, I, I, I viewed that. There's some people who viewed that scene as like Betty being funny or like trying to quote set them up, and it's like no. met with good intentions. But I think yeah. it's her trying to fuck up both their lives. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's. It's cool. It's working out great at the restaurant. There's sparks flying, man. I have, I think that's one of the most romantic <laughs> cheating on spouses lunches I've seen. Yeah, on there's that, a real man. air of whimsy. <laughs> True you, air you, of whimsy. You could forget that they were not single with the way they're talking to each other and how, how excited Sarah Carson is. I'm excited well, for it's, her. The word, their words just like flow together so well. Yeah. It's, like, it's like it was written. It's like a Shakespeare what play. If- you know, it's like a it's a romantic exactly. farce. You know, well, we've been set up by this. <laughs> we I think I'm going to let lunch with the Betty. I thought I was going to. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to end up actually quite happy. That would be the ultimate Jesus. cosmic irony of this show is if Holy shit, in season yeah. seven, Betty breaks another they're chair. still together and happy. <laughs> <laughs> Betty breaking the chair. I don't know if we actually covered that, Jala, but that was a no. great scene. Uh, yeah. um, Speaking of the kids. I really for the, for yeah. Sally's like, that's a, that's a real moment for Sally. That I bet she's going to remember that forever or uncover it later in therapy. Like, yeah, I was on the couch and then I looked in the other room and I saw my mom just start breaking a chair against the ground. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's so yeah. interesting those moments that are so seem so like unconsequential to an adult. Like the kids just look at it as like it's a giant. It's like because of the feelings that are being had, yeah. you don't you don't really know what you're doing while in the moment and then all of a sudden, you know, they bring it up and they're like, Oh shit, that was you guys yeah. saw that? He's like, Yeah, you we were watching. Oh yeah, that would be scary it's if uncanny. like I saw someone who is three times my size or four times my size doing something that loud and seemingly destructive. Yeah. Yeah. And then saying nothing. <laughs> yeah. Saying yeah. nothing. You're like, what's going on in that person who I'm supposed to look up to's head? Like, and who's supposed to be infallible and, and a giant, you know, mm-hmm. and unstoppable. I mean, Joe, when, when we were younger, I think we, we both probably thought dad was like the strongest dude ever. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, oh, yeah. obviously you see the strongman competitions on TV, but now I don't know. If if I ran into younger dad, I think I could take him. Yeah. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I could wrestle him. I could take <laughs> him down. <laughs> um, I'd probably have to catch him by surprise. I'm your son from the future. That would surprise him. That would surprise him. Like, what the hell? And then bam. <laughs> you give him the Don, Dr- you know what? That's, Don Draper Don punch. punch. <laughs> exactly. There we go. We brought it full circle. One punch, Don. <laughs> um, I'd smile malevolently. Punch <laughs> my dad. Real. <laughs> Real Archibald Whitman maneuver. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, um, it's all coming together. The Archibald Absolutely Whitman maneuver is, is when you go back in time to beat up your dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Don, if he could do that, he yeah. would. Oh, he and would solve all his problems. Um, oh, he, sure, he'd I'm come sure. back and be so much more well-adjusted. And I just had to show him what's good. That's all. Uh, That's all. If I could, I'd love to talk about Betty for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Break her down. Um, 
you know, since like episode one, Betty has like had this fascinating kind of twisty character arc of, you know, being a chafing at the bounds of her domestic life and her marriage. And, you know, she's been in the process of becoming something. And mm-hmm. I think especially in this episode, we see the thing that she is becoming is a villain. This is oh. this is a villain moment for for Betty. It is like, damn, you're right. Because she yeah. like she was just in a depression. She was just in like mm-hmm. house drinking and pajamas until Sarah Beth comes mm-hmm. over and says all that shit about how Don is perfect, perfect and how, you know, her dissatisfaction in her own marriage. And I think in yeah. that moment, Betty decides I'm going to fuck her up. I'm going to get her. I'm going to punish her for what she just said to me. Uh, You know what's fucked up, though? They're way too similar for her to do that. It's like stabbing her own self. Well, here's the thing about it, I think. It's not just that she wants to, like, get back at Sarah Beth and Arthur. Although she is, like, Mm -hmm. I think she does feel slighted by them in some way. And is like, yeah, Yeah. you know, you you messed with the wrong Betty Hoff's dad. Yes. Uh, Yeah. But it's also she wants to live vicariously through them. There's yeah, a true, true. She wants to cheat on Don by proxy. That's a great point. That's a great point. They're like staking goats for Don's infidelity. She can't prove sure. the thing that she knows it's true about Don's infidelity. But now this is something sure. she can say, oh, this is wrong. I can now feel vindicated about this. Yeah. Because that's like a, a line that she's still not willing to cross, even though she's been yeah. clearly interested and sort of um, titillated by the idea. She still won't she's oddly, step out yeah. on Don. She's oddly yeah. faithful well, for what she thinks has happened. Yeah. It's like very true. For her to do that would be ceding the high ground that she has yeah. over Don right now. And yeah. maybe that's just it. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Arthur and uh, <laughs> um, Sarah Carson or whatever. I I do think though that part of the reason that we're in this like weird arrested development phase with Betty is that she's just sort of enjoying letting Don twist. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that. In season one, she is such a demure and uh, infantilized housewife mm-hmm. character. Um, and she has really grown to resent Don for it. And mm-hmm. that's why this arc in season two, you're right. It's, it's She's becoming a worse version of herself or at least a more vengeful and uh, yeah, vengeful angry yeah. angry version of herself. Because, mm-hmm. Jala, there are moments in season two where you and I have been like, yeah, I didn't like Betty in this episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we didn't say that at all, I think, in season one. Like, we knew she was being childish in certain episodes and immature. Sure. Yeah. But there's she's having more unlikable moments in season two. And Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> from this perspective that we're watching it from, I do understand where a lot of that energy is coming from. I get it. Yeah. I, but, it, but if it's... you really pull it together as like a full clo- garment of clothes, you can really see that, you know, it's coming, you know, this happened and then this happened, which makes her act this way. And then yeah. all these things start to transpire because of that. It's not coming out of like her just being some weirdo or like, you know, which I thought, you know, when I was younger, like she's just like she's just very mature and annoying, and like yeah. why she's does crazy. she do the things that she does? Yeah, yeah. like what, yeah. what's up with her? But now it's like, no, I get it. I see where I see where all this is coming from. Not a fan yeah. of it, but I see where it's coming from. Exactly. Well, there's yeah. there's motivations for the character that make complete a hundred percent sense, and if you're paying attention and uh, really focusing on the themes of the text, you'll see that it's it makes sense with her character. Some yeah. people think. Betty's character's actions 
they don't make sense or they're weird or yeah. or she's just immature or super negative and but it's it's season one is her origin story of the uh, super villain that she is now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> messing with people's lives yeah. um, she's um she's got a lot of reasons to be to feel you know aggrieved she suffered mm-hmm. a lot of injustice and a lot of abuse yeah but yeah. the problem and the tragedy of her character is that her children are going to be the collateral damage in any fight that she has that's with the Don. issue mm-hmm. that's the issue Hence well, the issue, and, and the stuff that she's gone through is horrible. But it's it's never it, it's a reason, but it's not an excuse for her to be doing really bad stuff. You know, yeah. yes. she she yes. shouldn't be doing bad right. stuff, even yes. no matter how bad things have been for her. But we can sympathize with the with the Betty sympathy yeah, for the Betty. It's a human thing. It's a um, human thing. Oh, real quick, I had a thought. <laughs> I don't want to let it go. Um, to give Betty a little bit of credit, she's very rude mm-hmm. to Carla, who's been a very faithful employee for years, but... Uh, in doing her job, by the yeah. way. Hey, you know, yeah, Carla, why don't you tell me about the time that your husband, um, you know, told you to go to therapy and then called your therapist to listen in on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that's the same level, you know, as like it's domestic not. strife not. that Carla's got we going on. We don't know. Maybe. Hey, we don't know. Maybe. That's a good point. You know, just like we found out Hollis was an award-winning novelist. Yeah. We don't know. It's just, what if she did confide and Carla's just like, I, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. I, sorry. <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I actually yeah, don't that, know that could have happened. what to say about that. She just says, what the fuck? <laughs> She'd probably just be like, yeah. you need to get a divorce. You yeah. Need to get a you divorce. should end it. Yeah. She would it's say, really about the connection between the two of them and trying to have a little bit of a close woman, you know, heart to heart, woman to woman type. Or thing. hey, Betty, it's get really, a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's true. really sad that um, Betty didn't even say, no, I'm being cranky. I'll hear your let's talk. Instead, she's just like, I just haven't got enough sleep. You know who would have helped her out is um, little uh, <laughs> who's Matthew Weiner's <laughs> oh, kid boy? again. <laughs> The boy. That's right. The boy. Little the oh, boy. Oh shit! I am, I forgot about the boy. Wow, he hasn't been well. Or her good her good friend. Uh, I never know. Francine. You know? Francine's yeah, been Francine. out of the picture oh, yes. for this season. I yeah. What's up with Francine, man? I, yeah. I believe at this time he, they were pitching a spinoff to AMC called <laughs> Francine and Flo. And, uh, Francine and Flo. F and it was going to take place in the seventies. <laughs> I, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, they you know, they never they, talk about their shared connection that uh, Flo used to work as a, uh, as a switchboard operator in Don's office and Francine was neighbors. <laughs> they, they, it just never comes up. No. Yeah. And there's there's episodes where in the intro they say, and who knows, maybe we'll see some of your favorite Mad Men characters in the episode. And they're having dinner with uh, Freddie Rumson, let's say. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Well, have you guys ever talked about the fact?" And they go, "Huh? No, it hasn't come up. No. <laughs> okay. Shut up. Okay. Never mentioned. That's it. three F's. That's uh, Flo, Francine, and Freddie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Triple F. Yep. All right, guys. Well, how about we uh, end this Dadman episode now? Ooh. Yes. Can indeed. we do a quick Sterling's Gold? Okay. Sure. To end it, we'll do Sterling's Gold. Sure. Okay. I had two, so I want to hear what you guys have first to see if. Okay, uh, I can't use my Uno up. reverse card, but I'm hoping that Jala can go before. Yeah, me. yeah, <laughs> wide open. No, I got one, but I got one, guys. I got a couple because this okay. was a pretty funny episode. So I'm wide open. Uh, <laughs> uh, one was one was when Ken uh, before the blood drive. Ken is like, 
Now, how do you win a blood drive? What do you win? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is really good. Yeah, I love that from Ken. I also love um, this one's a little bit kind of just very sterling uh, where he goes when he comes into the op- or into his uh, office and Joan's laying there and he goes, many times I've dreamed of finding you like this. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is pretty funny, you know, even though it turns out kind of a, a sad scene, but that is a good yeah. line. She's not in the mood, no. but that is classic exactly. Roger. You know, it's funny because when that scene happened, I visualized exactly what he meant by that. I mean, obviously he was very clear, mm-hmm. but everything that we saw from the camera like was like yes it's very like a scene that you would imagine <laughs> for yourself well and yeah, it, she cuts a cuts an attractive figure but exactly. i mean it, it's to give roger some credit it is his office she finds him in yeah like if, if he went to he didn't like barge into her office and say that because that would be really gross yeah that would be literally gross but, yeah, but no, she is she, in his office so of course he's fantasized about that of course trespass yeah. <laughs> and then my last one i have is um Sterling is as well, and he uh, that that lady in the green dress goes. Um, are we winners or losers? And he goes, losers tonight, but winners in general. <laughs> the uh, real quick, I have I got two goals. Okay, unless Michael, you did you have one? I was gonna try to think of another one, but uh, you know, I think that was the one I wanted to use. The uh, I, we're winners <laughs> in general, but losers tonight. Um, a funny idea is that Campbell is afraid of needles. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Should use more um, of that. <laughs> I loved, I really love, uh, <laughs> this is a really good Roger line, you know, which is great for the segment. Uh, Freddie's talking about Bob Peebles. He was so mean. He fired a secretary oh, yeah. and threw all of her stuff out the window, <laughs> including her keys. And it's Roger's, that was good for morale. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah, man. man. Um, but uh, the one that I actually like remember from this episode and think is really funny, like genuinely very funny mm-hmm. is... Um, uh, in the special edition of the episode where uh, 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 Jimmy Barrett, he pops back up after being sucker punched and hitting the ground. Thank you. Hey, Floyd, how'd I do? Yeah. <laughs> That's Thank you. Thank you. Like, give him some props. That's really a really funny thing Hilarious. to say when you've just gotten punched, like sucker punched in front of everyone. Yeah. Hilarious, he, he won that moment well, between him and Don. He did. Don Absolutely. Like an That's idiot. a great... Uh, Oh, and little trivia tidbit: um, Floyd Patterson, the 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 champ. Yep. Uh, he was going to lose his title in one month. Yeah. Madman does that all the time. Distance. Where they talk about people, yeah. like Peggy made a great point that they were about to do a campaign about, um, yeah, Marilyn and uh, Jackie. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, yeah. They would have been they would have been similarly fucked as they were about you know United. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I made a little note about that moment because. Um, Don Don doesn't he's closed himself off about the Maryland stuff. He's like he's he's found a way to distance himself from it yeah. and you know not affect it. And Peggy, who's his protege, seems to be, you know, following in the same footstep. I mean, that's kind of the arc of the season is mm-hmm. to see whether Peggy will become uh, like Don. Yeah. Yeah, it, especially in the way of I'm going to run away from my problems. I'm yeah. not going or my past especially. Exactly. So it's a moment of like, oh, where is is Peggy's soul in the balance here? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Ray in Star Wars: uh, The <laughs> Last, or uh, sorry, Revenge or Return of Skywalker, uh, The Last Skywalker. <laughs> That's good. That's I said nice. this in the in the pre-recording, but just good to get a parting shot in. Maybe the worst movie I've ever seen: <laughs> yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. I watched it for ITPNT, and then the episode got canceled because of how bad I good. I roasted that movie. I think. <laughs> 
That's my theory. Disney calls. <laughs> Disney's like, and now you're going to get another call from Disney because of what I've said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you should probably take that down. <laughs> you should right. claimed you. Well, Joseph, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm glad to have you on for this episode. Such a inflection point of an episode. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it's, it's, it's been great, man. It's always uh, fun to have you on the show and uh, kind of pick your brain about everything mad men and its characters and such and um and uh we'd love to have you again when we do great i you know it's always a huge thrill for me to be on and, and talk about mad men my favorite show with you guys we love having you on and i have heard rumors that you're actually going to be invited back to the uh auditorium uh, uh the yeah, auditorium. i mean i run the well i that should make sense i'm the I'm in the academy. The Dadatorium for the daddies, yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Good point. I, good point. <laughs> so you're in the it's, you're on the short list. I mean, if anything, I should be teasing that you guys will be back <laughs> oh, for yes. the second daddies. <laughs> oh, well, I've just heard rumors. That's all. They're just rumors. You would know more than I would. There's 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 some callbacks from the people I have invited that have not been favorable, and that tells me that there will be room for you okay. on this awesome. on the stage, on the show. It's looking up, yeah, it's looking it. up. All right. Well, as we always say, the medium is the message. Is the message. Jinx. Well done. Well done, brothers. <laughs> hey, everyone. Hope you guys enjoyed that special episode of Dad Men with our guest, Joseph Rowland. As we went down the rabbit hole and dissected the Dad Men, or excuse me, the Mad Men episode, Six Month Leave. And uh, speaking of Six Month Leave, uh, myself, Mike Jala, and Michael Rowland are actually going to be taking a leave and a little bit of a vacay as we prep for the rest of Season 2 and the new year. So you guys will be seeing us very soon, but we will be off for a little while. And uh, while we're off, I encourage you all to go check out uh, some of our back catalog, um, Season 2. And if you haven't yet, Season 1 and our very fun end of season one award show the daddies uh hosted by joseph roland so you'll be guys will be seeing us in march and um we'll be continuing on season two and um happy holidays to you all and a happy new year peace out this has been a destiny park media production if you like the show please make sure to rate review and subscribe for more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.